Last week, we started a series titled Ready, Set, Go. We just wrapped up a series titled See, and we talked about what it means to be ready. And if you can put the definition for me there, ready means this, in a suitable state for an activity, action or situation, fully prepared, easily available or obtained within reach. Being ready is the preparation that takes place before the going. I mean, I gave the example about running a marathon. You're not going to go run a marathon if you don't train every day. You're not going to be able to make the dish in the kitchen the way you want it if you don't go to the supermarket and buy all the ingredients. They don't come out of thin air. You prepare in order to accomplish And one of the things that we talked about last week was the reality that God can use your circumstances, current or past, in order to ensure that you're ready to walk into the fullness of your call, to walk into what he has for you. And today I want to talk about somebody that we have all heard about at one point in time or another by the name of Esther. And you can start looking in your Bibles for the book of Esther, and we'll read something in a minute, but but, but Esther is a very famous character in the Bible. And she is famous for having been used by God to bring deliverance to the children of Israel, to bring deliverance to the people of Israel. She, she was an orphan. If you look at her beginning of life, you would think, man, God must have messed up on something. This poor girl lost her parents at a very early age. She had to be raised by her cousin Mordecai. But we recognize her as this person that God used because she went before the king when Haman had had asked the king to write this decree and they were going to kill all of the Jews. They were going to kill all the Jews. And she goes to the king and said, and the king's like, hey, Esther, what do you want me to give you until half of my kingdom? She's like, king, I want one thing. Can I have the life, my life and the life of my people? And the king's like, what do you mean your life? like, who wants to kill you? She's like, that guy right there, Haman. He wants to kill me and all of my people. And the king gets upset. The king walks out. Haman is like, oh my God, that's it. I'm dead. So he begins to try to like beg for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry. And in the process, he like throws himself on top of Esther. And the king walks in and is like, whoa, you want to kill her? And now you want to sleep with her too? Off with this guy, right? Like he, he, the king sends him to be executed. They hang him on the very gallows that he had built to hang Mordecai. And, and, and God uses this deliverance to kill thousands of people that were against the Jews in that kingdom. See, that's how we know Esther. But we don't understand that Esther, before she went into the king's room, before she went and go into her purpose, she dealt with something called fear. Esther dealt with fear. Fear of walking into her calling of going before the king. And that's where we're going to pick up in the story in Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Mordecai, her cousin, finds out about the plan to kill the Jews. And he 
rips his clothes and dress himself with sackcloth and ashes and is in mourning and he goes to the house of the king. He can't go inside because of the way he's dressed. So she sends somebody to ask Mordecai what's going on. This is where we pick up. Esther chapter four, she sends somebody to Mordecai. Mordecai tells him what's going on and says, go to the king. So here's Esther, verse number 11 of chapter four of Esther. All the king's servants... And the people of king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king, to the king, who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. This woman whom we know, she didn't just go into her call. She was afraid of walking in. Mordecai says, hey, go talk to the king. She's like, yo, you know the guy's got one law, one rule. What's it? That's one rule. Don't go in the room unless he calls you. That's his one rule. I like that rule. I used to tell Patty all the time, she was a principal and people would just walk into her office and I'd be like, uh-uh. If the door was closed, it was closed for a reason. But anyways, I, I relate with the king. One rule, you don't walk in. And Mordecai, he hasn't called me in a month. One whole month, he hasn't called me. If I walk in there, man, they're not gonna kill the Jews, he's gonna kill me. That was her response, fear. Fear will cripple you from walking into the God's purpose in your life. It paralyzes you, it cripples you. So she was like, no, I can't, can't. no, 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 not me. So then Mordecai sends her a message in verse 13. He told them to answer to Esther, do not think in your heart Remember, he raised her. He knows her. Okay? Your kid ever tell you something or do something and you know what they really mean? It happens with my kids all the time. Dad, how do you know? I know. Because I know you. And you're just like me. So I know. So Mordecai, I guess he saw what Esther's answer was. And so he's like, Esther, don't think... That you're going to be okay. You're saying in your heart, oh, I'm going to escape in the king's palace any more than all the Jews. It's like, don't think that just because you're the queen now, you're going to be okay. Verse number 14, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, who knows if you were orphaned and raised by me and be this beautiful girl who won the first Miss Universe pageant and became the queen. It's there in the Bible. It was a beauty contest to name the queen.
She was the most beautiful. He picked her. He chose her. She found grace. She found favor. And now she's like, oh, I can't go before the king. I, I, I can be dead. Mordecai's like, hey, you might choose not to walk into your calling, but it doesn't mean God's not going to do what he's going to do. God will deliver her some other way, but don't think you're safe. So then she, she, she's like, okay, wait a second. I, um, maybe th- God is using my past right now, my circumstances to get me ready for this moment. So, so this is what I want to focus on here. In verse number 15, she says, Esther told them to reply to Mordecai this. Watch. Verse 16. Go gather all of the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She fought the fear by proclaiming a fast amongst all her people, herself and her maids. Fasting broke the fear in Esther. Fasting broke the fear in Esther. What does it mean to fast? Fast is abstaining of food or drink. In the morning, you wake up and you have... Oh, wait, try it one more time, right? Yes, coffee too. I heard somebody say coffee, but... I will ask a better question. Pastor, rephrase. All right. In the morning, you wake up and eat. When I said have, everybody could say, you know, different things. But okay. You eat breakfast. Break up the word. Break fast. While you were sleeping, you were not eating. You were fasting. So you woke up in the morning and you ate food. You broke the fast. Fasting is abstaining of meal, of food, for a purpose. In health, they talk about people doing intermediate fasting because that's good for your health, to your digestive tract, and all these different things. But I want to talk to you about godly fasting, biblical fasting, what it is, what that does, because there's a lot of Christians who they will fast, but their fasting is really just a diet. True fasting is giving up that food and that drink for whatever amount of time God puts in your heart and using that time to get closer to God. If you say, I'm on a fast and you're skipping breakfast and lunch, but you're not praying, it's a diet. Pastor, that was harsh. It's the truth. Fasting is giving that up in exchange for pursuit of God. And as Christians, we are called to fast. Why? Because fasting will break the things that you can't break on your own. She was crippled in fear. I can't go to the king. I have not been called. Esther, this is why God put you there. Okay, let me get ready to go. Let's fast. So we see people fasting all throughout scripture in order to receive breakthroughs and blessings. Do you know Moses who went up on the mountain and got the 10 commandments from God and everybody here know Moses is? In Deuteronomy chapter nine, it clearly states that when he went to the mountain to meet with God and get the commandments, he did not eat or drink for 40 days. He fasted for 40 days to get the download of the 10 commandments from God. 
Paul, in Acts chapter 9, Saul, Paul, when he's going and has the vision from God on the road to Damascus, he falls off, he's blinded, he goes into the city, he says for three days he did not eat or drink. A few verses later, when God calls Ananias to go pray for Paul, he, he tells him, Paul has been in the city praying for three days. Three days he was fasting and praying. What? To receive the miracle of his sight and the download of his call, which was to go to the Gentiles. Church fasting breaks things that we can't in the natural. Now, it is easy for us to enter into religious fasts. Don't throw Bibles at me yet. I'm a little tired of many different churches, pastors, ministries doing the same fast all the time. What do I mean by that? I can name right now 10 ministries that I know that every single January, they proclaim a Daniel fast 21 days. To me, that's become religion. This is what we do every January 1st through 21st. I'm not saying it's not right. I'm not saying that God didn't tell some of them to do it. I'm just saying when it's the same thing every single time, it sounds like religion. Oh, what are you fasting? I'm fasting Skittles. That's not a fast. I understand that perhaps somebody may have a, a, an ailment that because of diabetes or whatever, they can't go a prolonged amount of time without eating or something of that nature. And so you can't do a fast of a full day without food, but, 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 but find something that's, you know, because uh, that's what you have in a lot of, especially younger people, they're, oh, I'm fasting chocolate, or I'm fasting Skittles, or I'm, I'm fasting this, or I'm, I'm fasting social media. I'm fasting, yeah, TV, somebody said to you, I'm fasting. And then, okay, fine, you're not doing the social media, but are you actually pursuing God during that time? Oh, and wait a second, hold on. Jesus kind of said, don't be like the Pharisees who like fast and tell everybody what they're doing. Don't go on Instagram and say, hey, I'm not gonna be here for the next month because I'm fasting social media. Oh, I know some of you got that comical. Some of y'all got like serious and that's okay. Jesus said this, when you fast, anoint your face, clean yourself up, that no one may know that you're fasting. Why? Because you're fasting for whose breakthrough? Your breakthrough. You're fasting to get over the thing that you can't do on your strength. Esther knew if she went before the king on her strength, they'd kill her. But if everybody in her city who was under the same threat was fasting and praying, she'd have the courage to go forth and God would deliver. How long are we supposed to fast? Every fast is different. It's personal between you and God. In the Bible, we see that David and his men, when they found out that Saul and Jonathan were killed in the first Samuel, they fasted from when they found out until nighttime. They fasted and mourned. We see there, I said, Paul, he fasted for three days. Esther called for a three-day fast. Moses fasted for 40 days. Daniel did fast for 21 days to get the answer from the angel. 
The answer on the, on the dream he had had, and the angel came and said, it took me 21 days because I was held up by the prince of Persia in the, in the demonic realm. He was held up and couldn't bring the answer even though God had dispassed him immediately. So we see different lengths of fast, which tells me what you are going through and what you are facing and what you're gonna put that, uh, that, 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 that you're gonna fast for is going to be dependent on what it is that you're trying to break. You're believing for a miracle that the thing, hey man, a one meal fast might not be sufficient. Might be God. God might be calling you for something a little deeper. So how do you know? You talk to God. God, what am I, what do you want me to give up? What am I going to fast? We see 40 day fast. Another example of a 40 day fast was Jesus. For people that think Christians, we don't need to fast. You know, there's people that think Christians don't need to fast. And they use the example, it's in the Bible, when they come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples did? And Jesus said this, when the bridegroom is with you, there's no need to fast, but there's going to be a time when he's not with you. And at that moment is when you fast. In other words, he's like, they're with me right now. It's all good. They don't need to fast right now. I'm with them, but there's going to be a time when they're on their own and need to bear that breakthrough at that time is when they fast. Jesus himself, before he called the disciples, fasted for 40 days. As a matter of fact, one of the most powerful moments in Jesus's life, in my opinion, is in Matthew chapter three, when he gets baptized. Okay. Jesus goes to the water of baptism. John goes to baptize him, and, and, and John's like, hey, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. Like, like I'm not even worthy to tie your sandal strap. So it's, that's how he described Jesus, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 we need, you need to baptize me. And so he gets, John gets Jesus, puts him in the Jordan, baptizes him, comes out of the water, the skies open, and a voice comes out from heaven. God saying, this is my son in whom I am well Please, God affirms Jesus, calls Jesus. And you know what the very next verse says? Then Jesus departed into the wilderness to fast. Before calling the disciples, before doing miracles and doing the Sermon on the Mount, right after being called, he went out for 40 days to fast and he was tested during that time by Satan. You know what that also tells me? The bigger thing you're fasting for, believing God to break in your life, the more attacks you're going to get. If you think that because you're pursuing God, things are going to go perfectly fine, you're in a delusional state. Again, pastor, that was harsh. I'm just being real. Jesus himself said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations, but have peace. I've overcome the world. Jesus himself was tested tempted by Satan while he was fasting for 40 days. You know, it, it, to me, it, it, well, the first one could even be like a comedy skit, right? Like G, it says, this is how the Bible describes it. Jesus finished fasting 40 days and he, at the end of 40 days, he was what? Hungry. Maybe hungry too, right? Like, I don't know. He was hungry. So what was the first temptation? Hey, if you're truly the son of God, Get those stones and make them bread. And Jesus is like, hmm. Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He combated the temptation with scripture. And we need to understand that fasting in our life 
is what helps us break the things that we can't do on our own strength. I'm going to liken it to this. And again, I, I like sports. I'm going to liken it to this. Anybody here ever seen the, the Summer Olympics at some point in their life? Anybody? Yes? Anybody here ever not seen the Olympics? Never seen the Olympics? All right, they're, they're coming soon, so watch them this time. So the Olympics have track and field as one of the sports. And in track and field, they've got running and relays and all kinds of stuff. But they got a, a couple of types of jumping competitions. Two in particular are called the, oh man, the pole vault and the high jump, okay? The high jump, the man or woman lines up about 26, 30 feet away. They sprint with all of their energy and strength and they use, they jump up and they curve their back to jump over a bar like this, like this, that's about seven, eight feet in, in stature. So they go run all the energy that they have and they jump as high as they can to get over this. But the maximum that somebody's going to be able to do is about eight feet. And then the other competition is called the pole vault. Now, the pole vault bar is about 18, 19, 20 feet high, depending on the competition and who's competing. And that is not something you can do on your own strength. That is something that they do the same 25, 30 feet run, but with a big old pole in their hand. And they run and they put the pole right at the crux, right there where the, where the edge is. And they use the pole to leverage themselves to spring up over the top of that to get to the other side. Watch now. When you're doing it on your own strength, it's the high jump. When you fast for that big problem, it's the pole bolt. If it's something you haven't been able to clear after you trying it, fast. I've been trying to clear this and I don't reach, fast. I've been trying and I'm going and I'm getting better, but I'm no way I'm getting to the 20. I haven't been able to kick this smoking addiction or this alcohol addiction or this thing or whatever it might be. I haven't been able to fix this situation. I can't do this on my own. The fear is crippling me, the doubt, the unbelief. How do I get over it? Fasting. That is what prepares you to then be able to go. Fasting is a tool in the life of a believer, and fasting prepares you to get ready to go. Who's called to fast? All of us. When? When it's a situation that you're facing. It's your miracle that you're fighting for. Who do you need to tell? Only the people that are really going to stand with you. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 17, there's a section there where it talks about the disciples praying for a kid and not being, the kid not being able to be delivered. So the father comes to Jesus and says, my son's been having these seizures, all these things, whatever. I took them to your disciples and they weren't able to do anything. So Jesus says, man, how long am I going to have to deal with all you unbelief, people full of unbelief? You doubters, ye of little faith. Bring the boy, prays for the kid, demon leaves. Boy is healed. The disciples leave with Jesus and they go to him. Jesus, like, I just, just us now, all right? How? Like, we prayed, nothing happened. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. 
because of your doubt, because of your wavering faith. And then verse 21 of Matthew chapter 17 says, this kind does not come out, but by prayer and fasting. And there's two thoughts on that verse. One thought is that that demonic oppression could not come out without prayer and fasting. And that thought can be backed up by Mark chapter nine, where it describes the same thing where Jesus casts out a demon and says it comes out by prayer and fasting, which other means if that oppression, that demonic attack is so big, so strong, you're going to need to fast and pray through it to have the breakthrough. But the other thought of it as well is that what is the this? This does not come out, but without prayer and fasting, it's the unbelief. If you and I are struggling with unbelief, with doubt, in order to break that in our lives, we need to fast and pray. Why? Unbelief will cripple your faith. Doubt will extinguish your faith. Even to Jesus. I'm not speaking heresy here. Jesus went to Jairus' house Because his daughter had died. Do you remember the story? If you haven't, look it up. Jesus gets there, and they have everybody crying and screaming and wailing. And Jesus looks at Jairus. He's like, she's not dead. She's sleeping. Everybody's like, oh, we're crying. And and, and it was professional paid mourners. If you look up the culture of the day, there was people whose job was to go to funerals and cry. Some of y'all might be good at that. I don't know. I would. I can cry at anything. Like I, we're watching, we were watching Toy Story four yesterday, and I was like, you know, crying. And I, 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 I mean, I can cry at the drop of a hat. Um, I, I just get very. Alexandra says I'm emotional, just like her. Um, she says it's because we're May babies. I was like, all right, sweet. We'll go with that. Um, their job was to cry when people died. That was what they got paid to do. Okay, Jesus shows up, watch this now, you with me? He kicked everybody out. Who did Jesus take into the room? The girl's mom and dad, himself, and watch, the Bible says he only took three disciples in with him. I thought he had 12 disciples. Yeah, he told the other nine, stay outside. Think about who some of the other nine were. Thomas. What do we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Thomas was the guy that when Jesus resurrected, he said this, I need to see the holes in his hand to know that it's him. Jesus came through a wall. He walked through a wall and was like, bro, you want to see my hand? Here it is, bro. Stick your finger inside. Go, go, go stick your finger inside. Good, Thomas. That's how we know Thomas as doubting Thomas. Judas betrayed him. I mean, not all the disciples were in 100%. They were human, just like us. So if Jesus, the son of God, kicked out the people that didn't believe for the miracle, why are we telling all of Instagram and Facebook what we're going through? Why does everybody know? You walk into work on Monday, it's like, what's, you know, how are you? Uh, you know, figura de, you know, the weekend and the this and the cat and the dog and, you know, the, the, my box got stolen in front of the door from Amazon and, you know, but my ring captured it, but they don't know who it is. You know, like we, we just talk about, we just got a ring. I'm, I'm, I'm like enthralled with people putting videos. It's hilarious. But 
We tell anybody and everybody what we're going through. And what we need to do is suck it up, buttercup. Ask God what he wants you to fast and how long. Get in your prayer closet. Fast, pray, wash your face, and let nobody know what you're going through so that you can jump that really high bar and get to the place that God is calling you to get to. Fasting is essential in our lives as Christians to be prepared to walk into that that God has for you. The bigger the bar, the more force. The bigger the call, the bigger the situation, church, get into a fast. Ask God. Seek counsel. See, there's a difference. When I fast, I'll sit with my girls during breakfast or whatever, even though I'm fasting. I had to go do blood work the other day. I didn't sit during breakfast. You know why? Because I wasn't fasting and I couldn't eat. Let me tell you the story, the difference. When I am fasting, God gives me a strength that I can sit at the table with them and I'm gonna be like, hey, I'm not eating right now because I'm giving time to God and I am, I am gonna give this up in order to listen to him. When I had to go get blood work and I was sitting there and there was you know, donuts or whatever, I wanted one. And the girl's like, dad, why are you not sitting? I was like, because I'm not fasting today, but I have to fast for the doctor. So I got to go sit somewhere else. Is <laughs> the difference. Pastor, I can. If I go three hours without eating, man, I get hangry if I don't eat. Not while I'm fasting. It's different. Why? Because when I'm fasting that God told me, put in my heart fast, <laughs> it's not the same thing. It's not, it, it, it becomes almost not a sacrifice anymore. It's like, oh, it just becomes a natural thing. And I would encourage you, worship team, come to the altar. I would encourage you to analyze your life. And if there's something in your life that you say, man, I haven't been able to jump this. I can't get over this. Ask God, how long do I need to fast and enter a fast? Enter a fast. Talk to a, a mentor. You can pray in agreement with someone that's going to believe with you. Don't get advice from the person that can't jump the two-foot hurdle and you're trying to jump a seven-foot hurdle. Who do you want to listen to? I went to a pastor's thing this week. I, I was there Thursday, fr uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I got back yesterday. Every opportunity I can to go to Bethany and sit with Pastor Jonathan and listen to these men and different stuff, I do it. Why? Because they're people that are, they're doing an amazing job for God and I want to learn. If I get invited to go to a, somewhere else with people that, you know, don't know what they're doing, I'm not, I'm not, that's not who I want, that's, that's not who I want pouring into me. So who do you want praying with you? Who do you want believing with you? Who do you want doing it with you? Is the people that you've seen can jump it. 
that can help you get to where God is calling you. Ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. And in order to get ready to go, you might need to enter a fast. Ask God today, look at your life. What haven't you been able to kick? What haven't you been able to jump? And ask God, Lord, what do you want me to give up? How long do you want me to give it up for? And let's fight this to get over the top. Because fasting will get you ready to go.